I've turkey hunted long before I elk hunted. Then when I went to elk hunting, I was like, yeah, this is like hunting a 600 pound turkey. <laughs> they shouldn't have school on that day. And my kids won't go to school if that day doesn't fall on a weekend because they will be dumb hunting. Testosterone is like, it's like almost a cuss word now. People are like, hey, you want to come to my ranch? Give me an Instagram post or shout out or an interview and you can shoot my $10,000 whitetail with a drop tide. I've only cried once when, when I'm hunting and it was when we found that elk after I shot him. All the work, the blisters on your feet. I mean, dude, there's nothing better than that. Hey guys, it's Cable Smith with the Lone Star Outdoors Show, and you're tuned in to the Wild Initiative. Put down your latte and pull on your boots. You and I and everybody listening to this owns 640 million acres. I think he killed more deer drinking his coffee, smoking a cigarette in the pickup truck than I did spending all that time freezing my butt off. Something that I would hope is that people realize that those are wild animals and they have savage natures. I look forward to packing animals out. I look forward to that pain of success. Doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter where you live. I've said it before and you know what, I'll say it again louder for the people in the back. Your present circumstance should not limit your passions. This is Jay Scott of the Jay Scott Outdoors podcast. Hey, this is Ryan Callahan. Hi, this is Jules McQueen. Hey everybody, Jason Carter here with Epic Outdoors. Hey guys, this is Tim Burnett with Solo Hunter. You're listening to The Wild Initiative. Hey all, welcome to another episode of The Wild Initiative as part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. All right, y'all, getting on to today's episode, I am excited to have him back on the podcast, my buddy Cable Smith of the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Y'all may remember him from way back. I didn't think it was this far back, but it was way back in episode 40. That uh, So over, over 100 episodes ago. It does not seem like it was that long ago, man, but uh, thank you so much for hopping on, man. It's good to have you back. Yeah, it's good to be here, brother. <laughs> Good to be here. So I think, you know what I think it is? The reason it doesn't seem like so long ago, because it was just last year, uh, it would have been right around this time. I yeah. think it would have been a couple weeks from now that you got a text message from me saying, hey, man, mm-hmm. I'm driving into Texas right now. What are you doing? <laughs> Come on. Come on. Yeah. So with COVID, though, you're probably not making your uh, your annual pilgrimage around the United States. Well, I'm not, uh, I'm not making a big, big road trip, but I am actually, as of today, what's, what's today, the, uh, 12th of June, I am driving out to Montana, heading out for Western hunting summit, uh, stealthy hunter, Ryan and Hillary Lampers are putting that on out in Montana. And so, I mean, you know, me, I can't resist any drive. That's more than about 10 minutes without turning it into something. Right. You know, so, (laughs) so, you know, I'm going out to Humboldt for the coast a little bit, you know, I'm going to drive up the coast, going to head into Oregon, go visit some folks, do a little fly fishing along the way, go visit a buddy up in, in Idaho, then, you know, make it down into Montana, uh, next week. And of course I'm going to be there two weekends because it's, uh, there's actually three summits, but I don't think I'm going to make, be able to stay there for a month, a whole month, but, uh, however much I want to. But uh, yeah, I could do a little fly fishing. So it's not quite the uh, pilgrimage across the United States that it, I was hoping for this year. I thought it would be a fun thing to do every year, but it's a bit of a pilgrimage, you know, so that'll, that'll work, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And that was fun last summer when you, when you uh, stopped by the house and tried to hang. Oh, I don't dear. know if you could keep up with the Lone Star beers, but you know, you, you played your heart out and I respect that. See, I was doing good when it was just the Lone Star beers. Like I was hanging when it was Lone Star beers. We were doing good. You know, we had we had some elk. We had some. We had a little bit of everything that day, man. You you cooked up quite the feast, and I was doing good with the beers. It's when we decided it would be a good idea to go out on the back porch and start pouring the whiskey and pulling out the cigars. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the cigar always gives me a worse hangover than any kind of alcohol this is like just allergies and stuff. And then it's like you wake up and a cat took a wrap in your mouth. And oh my gosh. Just, oh yeah. That was, I think it was like three days before I got that cat piss taste <laughs> out of my mouth from that stupid. Yeah. And it always seems like such a good idea. We never, oh, man, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. 
Never learned. Oh, dear Lord. My wife's like, who, who's that guy again that stopped by uh, that just randomly that I never met that you'd said he could just stay at our house? <laughs> and I was just like, that's just how the hunting community is. We're all friends, you know? So it's all good. Exactly. Exactly. And then, you know, then you wake up to a, a nice little gift package, a Lone Star gift package <laughs> rolled over. I, I like, because I remember like one, I remember passing out and you like, you like threw some blankets on the couch for me. I'm like, sweet. And I, I go to pass out and you like just sit there staring at me. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, this son of a bitch is going to do something. He is going to do something. You like turn on the TV, but you keep like looking over at me and I'm like, what the hell? And I finally, I remember like the last thing I remember from that night is going cable. What the hell are you going to do? You're like, oh, I'm just waiting for you to pass out so I can take a picture with you. <laughs> you ass. Oh, yeah. That's on Instagram somewhere. Oh, yeah. I'm, I think I shared it. I think I shared it, too. Because however, like, drunk passed out I look, you look even more drunk than I do because you are so bright red in that photo. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, we got to do it again. Uh, that was fun, man. I definitely, I need to make just like a trip out solely for that. We need to, uh, we need to maybe grab like Kevin Reese or someone and, uh, have a couple of drinks with that, that crazy dude. I went shooting with him at right yeah, after yeah, that too. What's up? Some pigs or something. Oh, so yes. we could go to the deer leaf and smoke a couple hogs. I've got, I'm overrun with them right now. Always. They're always there. But right now there's like, there's one sounder of like 30 that's, coming in every day geez i wonder let's see how long of a drive is it from montana to texas uh check let me check all of maps here (laughs) (laughs) hmm yeah because that is that's totally on the way yeah uh yeah montana back to northern california texas is on the way this is how these road trips start with me Mm -hmm. this is legitimately every time how these road trips start i'm like I'm doing one thing that's like, you know, quote unquote, official business, or it's very, like, very singular focused. And then suddenly I'm like, well, that's kind of along the way. And then that's not really along the way. But if I go back a different route, freaking 8,000 miles later. Right. <laughs> yeah. You're a wandering spirit, my friend. That's you are. I don't know, man. Like, I've legitimately put consideration into just like getting a storage unit, a PO box, and then like, like not having a home. <laughs> like, <laughs> just like, be like, you could change your, the name of your show to like the transient outdoorsman or something. Just call it the transient <laughs> initiative. <laughs> what is Alexander super tramp from? What was that movie into the wild? Oh, geez. Um, you know, I think it's Emil Hirsch. It's a, where he's like, moves to the, I don't know if it was Alaska where he went off yeah. the grid and then he ended up eating and died in this bus that he found but yeah transplanted like <laughs> I remember the movie but I remember I like I know I've seen it but I barely remember anything about it but I mean I don't know dude like pull a full Sam Soholt like mm. you know have the truck like kind of get an old camper or something outfit it like really clean for hunting trips yeah. and for you know, so I can go somewhere, just do public land, set up hunting camp, go visit, you know, like you said, stay on random people's couches and, mm-hmm. and there you go. You know, I mean, as long as you can work. Yeah. Is that not what the hunting community like is legitimately about? Like you said, it is the most welcoming community I have ever met in my life. <laughs> absolutely absolutely i will say this though it's rough right now just like everyone is taking a beating from covid like internationally i was supposed to go to africa in july for cape buffalo hunt it's not gonna happen um they're they're talking about they're not even gonna open international flight the uh, flights into south africa until like september 1st or something oh. so you know i've got like five guys going with me and now we're scrambling to hopefully go in february but I mean, think about the outfitters, my friend, Carl from John X Faris, they've lost their entire season. Like they, because their season is their winter right now. So they start basically in like April and go through 
probably the end of July and that's it. And they're not going to have a season. And that's, you know, that's transcendent across all of the hunting community. Um, people here lost spring bear seasons, you know, across North America, turkey seasons, turkey outfitters. I mean, they didn't, they didn't make any money. Oh yeah. So no deal. I, you know, it's one of those interesting things because you, then you look at like how that affects, especially with something like uh, African wildlife, especially like, like, yeah, that affects us here. But, you know, I know a lot of those guys and outfitters really rely on local workers and like, I mean, that uh, a lot of those guys effectively employ a whole community of people. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a, yeah. huge waterfall effect that comes with that and it funds anti-poaching in a lot of those places hundred hundred dollars and there's no hundred dollars so now you know where's where's the anti-poaching money coming from it's uh it's a mess it's an absolute mess but it is a, a resilient group of people because if you look at us we're vilified every day all day at every turn by the liberal media and so you know we'll we'll we will come out of it. The world will continue to spin on its axis and, you know, we'll look back on this and somehow I'm still trying to find the silver lining because, you know, I've lost sponsors because of it, like big ones. It's cost me a lot of money, but we will get through it. There's no doubt about that. Maybe Sam, maybe the silver lining is that I know a lot of people who have either gotten out of hunting. Um, they've had a lot of free time on their hands or fishing, a lot of fish, uh, fishing too, but they've gone back to that. Um, so maybe if we can keep some of them back in the game, you know, maybe some new people that weren't really into the outdoors have, have found a love for that throughout this quarantine deal. Um, maybe that's the silver lining. My hope anyway. Well, you know, specifically like two of my buddies have done exactly that. They're, you know, one's ex-military, um, and now he's just, he's a, he's a student. The other is a, he's a teacher you know, they're not like, they've never been like super hardcore outdoorsmen or anything. Yeah. Both of them have just recently, I just got off the phone with one of them yesterday. Both of them have recently picked up their first bows. Oh, nice. Because they're like, yeah, man, I got all of this time. Why not? Like you've been talking about this archery thing. You know, I see some of the other guys doing it, you know, shoot, I'm going to pick up a bow. Yeah. It's like, it's yeah. One of them, uh, my buddy, Anthony, he's out in New York city, like right in the middle of everything, like all the crap. Oh, yeah. And then, um, then my other buddy, Paul, he's up, I want to say Seattle. So, you know, that I haven't been doing that great up there either. <laughs> like, <laughs> <don't wanna> be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Couple of places you certainly do not want to be, but, um, <laughs> you know it's it's cool seeing them getting into it and i've talked with them you know uh i did an episode fairly recently with a dude out in um out in new york new jersey area and his whole thing is like teaching people to hunt his name's fisher neal um his whole thing is like teaching people to hunt out in that area and teaching them the easiest way to you know to get into it and the how to you know quickly take your hunters hunters ed and get your license and and he'll take people out from the city Mm -hmm. so it's like you know i feel like we need with more people getting into it like that i'm hoping we're also going to see more people developing programs like that and i've seen stuff popping up here and there where it's like you know one person wants to to just push out a little more, you know, new hunter content and focused on, on teaching people how to take those first steps. And I feel like a lot more of that's going to start popping up, or at least I hope so. Yeah. But Yeah. Well, in some, some companies that, you know, probably support our shows have been doing really well during this time. If you're in, you know, firearm manufacturing or, or ammunition, I mean, you can't keep, you can't, <laughs> Create it fast enough. I mean, people are just buying. I was talking to Linda Powell from Mossberg, and uh, she said, it doesn't matter what gun it is. People just want to have a gun for some kind of sense of protection. And then if they have ammo to fit that gun, they're going to buy it. Because a lot of these people are, and probably a lot from your state too, California, first-time gun buyers. Um, You know, it's it's a crazy time we're living in. Yeah, and it's, I mean, 
I, uh, I'm working with a uh, gun safe company right now, you know, on the other side of my business, my, my marketing side, I work with a lot of folks in the outdoor industry doing that. And that's been doing great just because like, you know, we were talking earlier, everyone's trying to get their businesses online. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's been going well. And we've noticed ever since, you know, all of the, uh, the protests and then the riots started happening, um, business for that has just exploded because you know a lot of people like you said people that wouldn't have ever thought about buying a gun before ever in a million years are buying guns now but but they're not the person these aren't the guys that are gonna like leave their shotgun like just leaning up in the corner behind the door right <laughs> <laughs> yeah if a gun is going to be anywhere in the house it is going to be locked in a safe in a safe in the closet you know, like. yeah, it's funny before we had kids, I kind of just had guns laying all over the place, but my wife kiboshed that pretty quickly. <laughs> Understandably. so. You know, my kids are seven, five and five, and they're very aware that guns can't kill you. They wouldn't pick them. I wouldn't think twice about leaving one laying around. They wouldn't pick it up. But if there were other kids over, you know, then that creates a problem. So I don't know. She got me one of those, uh, fingerprint, um, uh, biometric safe. those things suck <laughs> you'd be dead before you ever <laughs> i've seen like i've because i've had one too like it's like the three it's not one of the fingerprint ones it's like the three button ones and i feel like it's just one more thing to break um if you're gonna get one of those you have to invest in like a really high-end one for it to be reliable you can't you can't just buy like the one that's you know, you, you can't just like look on Amazon and buy the first one that first one that you see, like you gotta, you gotta go to a legit safety dealer, invest some money if you're going to do something like a biometric, you know, a big old biometric safe deal. So, well, in the last couple of weeks, this is the first time that I've ever just, I've gone back to leaving the pistol on the nightstand. Uh, I'm skipping the, the biometric safe and, you know, I put it, I put it back in the safe every morning or put it in my pocket. But uh, I just told my wife, look, I don't, at this point, and we didn't, it's not like our neighborhood. We haven't been affected or anything. Our area hasn't been. There was one peaceful protest here. We're about 30 miles north of Dallas. Dallas has had some rioting and stuff, but it hasn't, it hasn't bled into our area. But I'm just thinking, you know, it could. So it makes me feel better. Sleep a little better anyway. You know, that's, that right there is illegal in California. That yeah. is breaking the law. Unless you were <laughs> um, like in in the process of like actually using the gun, like, you know, you have to either like be pulling it out or, or cleaning it or like some activity using the gun, it has to be locked up at all times. So you can't, you can't even like have it under your pillow at night, you know, nothing mm -hmm. like that. Um, Why even have it? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But if you're talking about the home defense, like that's, that makes no sense. But I, I was laughing, Linda, uh, my, my Mossberg friend, we were laughing about all the Californians that are buying guns for the first time and then bitching about the 10 day waiting period. <laughs> like, you did it to yourselves. Oh yeah. So. My favorite, my favorite is the meme, the meme that's going around. It's like, uh, it's like a text message thread. And I, you know, I don't know if this is an actual exchange. I'm assuming it was probably somewhat staged to make a point, but it's like a text message thread going back and forth. And, and it's like, uh, is Barry on it? What's up? Is Barry on this text? Barry? <laughs> you know, the, the Barry, the guy with the huge, you know, the oh, huge, dear the, Lord, the huge I hate thing. you so much. I hate you so much for, uh, I'm not sure. This <laughs> podcast is ending now. For those of you. No, this, you talked about that guy on, on Joe Rogan's podcast. They found yeah. out he's, he died. Yeah. Oh, geez. Now I kind of feel bad. I feel like, yeah. I don't know. I feel like we should be paying homage. That is one image I will not be linking to on the show notes page. <laughs> um, so y'all, if you, if you need to know, Cable likes to send me sweet, you know, just, just really genuinely kind, loving text messages, you know, when he's thinking of me, um, you know, just throughout the week, whatever it is. Um, and let's just say those text messages 90% of the time involve some sort of, of sneaky image of a 
a, a rather well-endowed, large, well-endowed man. I do think um, the people have seen that uh, or been on some text where someone has sent that. And I don't just go looking for those. Someone sends it to me, so I'm just being a good friend and paying it forward to you. <laughs> I was actually randomly talking about this with someone the other day, and I, I can't remember if it was... No, I was talking with it because I think I sent, I think I forwarded you one that somebody yeah. sent to me. So I, the tables were turned, friend. Yeah. The tables were turned. You got me. Oh, dear Lord. Yeah. This podcast. Uh, <laughs> I was like, we started to talk about hunting a little bit, but we can get back to that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I literally, you know, I just called him like, hey, man, we need to just have a podcast and, shoot it just sit and talk for a while why not <laughs> yeah we're definitely doing that. <clears throat> i mean this is this is the conversation effectively we had over a lot of lone star beers and whiskey and cigars as well it's really <laughs> yeah. after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers if we've learned anything it's that there's always a catch so when i heard that mint mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. So I got, a, uh, I got on a duck lease this year. So I got, last year I, I did this uh, urban bow lease right here in Collin County. There's been like a 200-inch buck shot every year here for the last four or five years. And we didn't have archery season until like 2013, they closed it in the 70s. They closed Dallas, Collin, and Rockwall, kind of all of the Dallas area metroplex. And so these bucks just, I mean, were allowed to get big and mature, and they had great genetics. So I, anyway, I dumped a lot of money into this because it's only it was only 10 minutes from the house, and everybody wants a place like that. It was only 20 acres, though, and it, I never did end up getting that. There was like a 175-inch buck that I had on there. But you deal with shit like the neighbor's dogs coming on there nonstop. One day I'm sitting in a tree stand and a hot air balloon fires up and starts flying right over my tree stand. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, you know, money I paid for this thing. Um, I'm, I'm getting a duck lease. So I kept my other deer lease. Uh, there's not as big deer over there, but we got plenty of hogs and stuff. But I got a duck lease because um, my girls, the twins are five, and they keep beating me up every time I take Henry duck hunting. And it's easy to say if someone invites you, oh, can I bring my seven-year-old son? They're like, yeah, of course. You, you know, we can always go hunt public, right? But who, who wants to walk their two five-year-old girls in a mile to their <laughs> duck hunting pool? And the kids don't want to do that. So I got got rid of that one deer lease and got a got a duck lease this season, which I've never had like a private land duck lease. So I'm pretty pumped about that and uh, excited to take the girls on their first duck hunt this year. That's awesome. That's, you know, again, we were kind of talking earlier, like we, we had the, uh, thank you for coming prize package at the, uh, at the end of the, the evening <laughs> when I came to visit and, you know, funny enough, I've got that, I've got that Lone Star like cooler bag thing in my car right now for the drive. I've used that thing so dang much. Awesome. Um, but, but you know, you, you, you sent me like a finisher, you sent me a really nice duck call. And I, I'm honored to be the owner of the, uh, the duck phone here. Yeah. So I've got all of this duck stuff. I've got three taxidermy ducks behind me that my, my buddy gave me. And yeah, I can see a bucklehead and a pintail for sure. And I don't know what the other one is. It's hard to see, but definitely see those two. Yeah, it's a, it, my big old head's in the way anyway. It's a, it's a, gold, a golden eye, a pintail, and a bufflehead. Nice. But uh, I've never to this day been waterfowl hunting. We got to change so, that. Oh yeah. Come back to Texas and we'll build my new duck lease. There we go. There we go. We'll get to, and see, and I love it. Cause you know, you can sit back, you can have some fun. You can do some shooting. You can have some Lone Star beers. I'm not going to pay for alcohol and guns, but, uh, I'm, well, well no, I'm afterwards, just afterwards, 
<laughs> I know. You know, you know, people. Okay, so Texas September first is the opening day of dove season every year, mm-hmm. and like my kids will never. They shouldn't have school on that day, and my kids will not go to school if that day doesn't fall on a weekend because they will be dove hunting every time. And uh, and and my goodness, the amount of Lone Star beers that get drank while people are hunting. I'm not saying whether I participate or not because that would be that would be a bad look. So we'll just say that I don't. <laughs> people. I think half the time the game wardens are checking whether or not they're too drunk to be sitting there with a gun rather than how many doves they've killed. But uh, it's a big party down here when dove season opens up. That's another thing I've, I've done some token dove hunting. I was actually, I've, I've been down in uh, Arizona and I was hunting javelina and I, you know, we'd just throw the shotguns in the back of the side by side in case we saw anything interesting. Mm -hmm. And so we did, we did chase some doves, but that's all, that's been my only, you know, short of Turkey, my only real upland game. Uh, I just haven't chased birds at all. Oh dude, it's so much fun. It's awesome. You just sit there with your buddies and you don't really, I mean, it's a camo shirt helps, but you can just sit there in blue jeans, shorts. I mean, it's so hot here. It's usually a hundred degrees on September 1st. Sit there with a cooler of Gatorade. And you know, I did, I'll be honest. I did used to drink beer while I was dove hunting. It's not illegal. But once I had kids and started taking them, I don't want them to see that. So I haven't done it in the last six or seven years anyway. When I was a younger man, I made some, <laughs> I was a little more reckless. Than that. <laughs> well, you know, you can, it's, it's easy enough, you know, just bring two coolers, bring one for the water and the Gatorade, leave the one with the Lone Stars in, in the truck for when you bring your haul back and start you're, cleaning. yeah, you have to start cleaning because you're going to be there for a while. You know, my kids love, they, they like to like do necropsies on these, on any animal I bring home. It's fascinating <laughs> to watch their development. Like Henry, especially, he's like, oh, dad, you shot this one in the eye. And he, he starts ripping his head off trying to like, you know, see where the bullet or the pellet went into the dove's brain. And I mean, he's all about it. Just loves getting his hands bloody. And he asked me, he asked me during quarantine if he could shoot a deer this coming year. So we we took advantage of a lot of our free time and, I got him. Well, I had a 22-250 that I just gave him, you know, light caliber that he could kill a deer with if he practices enough to make a clean shot. So we're working on that as we speak. And and I be I couldn't have been more tickled when he asked me if he could shoot a deer because doing this for a living, you know, there's people whose kids shoot deer when they're three and four, but really, did they or did Dad line it up for you and really do all the work? Mm-hmm. I wanted him to ask. You know, I didn't want to push it on him. So I was really happy that he he's gung-ho about shooting a, a deer or I'd let him shoot a hog either one that's and that's another thing man I still have not sh- I live in California I mean and and we have some incredible dang hog hunting out here yeah. still haven't shot a damn pig <laughs> don't you have to get a, a tag though you have to you can't just go out and shoot a hog right yeah we have to get a tag it's like I mean for residents it's like cheap as hell like i mean it's it's like one of those kind of token tags i mean i'm i'm probably wrong it's like 20 bucks or something i I could be wrong but i mean yeah it's still for one pig yeah i mean you can buy unlimited tags as far as i'm aware but yeah it's just for one pig it's kind of annoying like that you have to do that um you came to 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 hunt hogs before though yeah i came out uh, i came out one of my very first I mean, it was the first time I ever legitimately took a shot on an animal was out with Jess and Braxton Byers. Yeah. Flew out uh, when they were living out there. Um, they've since abandoned Texas for the mountains. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I came out and uh, did a hog hunt with them. And that was like, that was a good, the podcast after that was a good podcast. Cause we talked about like all the ups and downs and I went, man, dude, I went through it on that hunt. Like every emotion you could, you could cram into like a single hunt, like over the course of like an entire hunting career, every emotion you could possibly feel. I think we managed to cram into that one single hunt. Now you, you actually did shoot, you shot at one or something, right? Yeah, so I, um, I actually, well, I shot. If you would have put the bow down and grabbed a rifle, you'd have had some bacon. Yeah, I know, but I like shooting my damn bow. I, I mean, I've, I've eased off it now. 
I've eased off it a lot now. Like, uh, especially now that I got this new freaking Henry lever action rifle that I need to get some blood on. I just want to, dude, that thing is so much fun to shoot. That is honestly like, I've got some cool rifles, like just some fun stuff. Like my M1 Garand will always be my favorite rifle. But as far as like my favorite rifle to shoot, that 243 Henry lever gun, hands down. It's just like, I don't know. It's just so easy to shoot. It's fun. And it's a lever gun with a peep sight. How, how much more fun does it get than that? I like it when shit gets Western. Damn straight, dude. I'm talking, I'm talking with a Texas boy. Yeah, um, I've only ever killed one animal with my lever action. And it was a, a mountain lion hunt in Colorado. And I was like going through the choices. of I wanted to either do a pistol, a bow, or a lever gun. It's like, no, nothing's more Western than going after a big cat in the mountains with a 30-30 lever action. So that's what I went with. That's the only time I've ever shot at an animal. Yeah, really? Yeah. But it took 18 days. That gun has a bunch of scratches on it. It was on a horse for 18 days before we finally got the the right cat. Well, I was going to say on a line too, like you kind of, you kind of have to expect that a little bit, that that's going to be, uh, that can be a, a pretty long hunt. It's not, you know, it's not like they're un, unaware animals. It was three trips. Oh, damn. Yeah. So I wanted to do dry ground. I wanted to go with a guy that had hounds good enough to catch one on dry ground. Oh, okay. And, uh, and this dude did, but we, and then, so you go, I think it was in March, late March, or early April was their dry ground season. And it freaking snowed or rained every day. Not the kind of snow that you want for cougar hunting. It just evaporated the scent. We got on like one track over like eight days or something. And I called my wife after eight days and I was like, Hey, when do you have to go back to work? And she's like, don't do it. You son of a bitch. Don't you do it. And I was like, I'm <laughs> staying for two more days. <laughs> I'm changing my flight. I was like, cause I don't want to have to come back. I want to do it. I want to get it done. And no, I had to go back again and we caught two in the snow, but they were females. And so we let them, we let them go because we weren't, I mean, from a conservation standpoint, we were trying to catch a male. So I came back a third time and this, this was the first time we were hunting on private land. All the other stuff had been on public. And uh, the guy told us, the landowner, he's like, if you catch something, you have to kill it because there's something's killed two of my foals. Like kid killed two horses. So we're like, fine. We, tr- we get to the tree and the outfitter climbs up there and determines it's a female. He's like, well, do you want to shoot or do you want me to? And I was like, if, I, if you shoot it, then we have to go, kill another one. So it's like, we've put in 18 days over three trips. This cat has to die. That's the deal with the landowner. I said, I think this is my cat. And so, you know, I got the 30, 30 up and did the deed. And I, you know, I, I wouldn't, I don't regret it one bit. I think it was the, there's no reason to kill another one. That's one thing. It's like, I will always, anytime I go to Arizona, I'll do it in Arizona, other States. I kind of play it by ear depending on how I'm feeling. Cause it gets pretty expensive in other places but anytime i'm in arizona i'm always buying a, a line tag every damn time because it's like 75 bucks and just on the off chance because you know i'm out there i'm out there chasing uh, over-the-counter mule deer with my bow and then this year i drew my i drew arizona elk and so i'm going to be chasing uh on the arizona strip with freaking three points. I think I had less than a 1% chance to draw. That. I did not know this. You do an Arizona bull tag? Yep. Early archery, Arizona oh bull. I'm going, uh, I'm going to go guided with uh, John Stallone with days in the wild. Cause yeah, there's no way I'm screwing this up. I'm, <laughs> I'm getting something. That's the one state I don't even put in for because it's 175 bucks just to apply every year. And I'm just, and I'm applying in all these other States. And I'm just like, man, that's uh, doing the math. I could, you got lucky. Like, but if most people yeah. take 15 to 20 years and by that time you spent so much money, I would rather have just bought, you know, gone on a guided hunt or something. Well, see, here's the thing though. See, I also, you know, it costs 175 cause you're paying 150 for that hunting license. I mean, right. you know, so I always, the difference is I always make use of that hunting license. I'll always go into Arizona for over-the-counter mule deer. That mm-hmm. over-the-counter mule deer archery tag is, or sorry, it's a deer, period. Uh, mule deer or coos, whitetail, or cow's whitetail, if you want to be one of those guys. Um, but uh, 
any deer, it's good January, August, and December. Hmm. So it's like it that is a huge amount of time, some incredible opportunity there for I think it's like for out of state, it's like a three hundred dollar tag. Yeah. Um for an opportunity, a lot of opportunity at mule deer. You know, and again, it's archery, so you have to be comfortable with your bow. But uh you know, it expands your hunt season. If you've already got that $150 hunting license, you're in good straights. And then you can also, you can do stuff like in January, you can, you know, January through August, you can pick up a javelina tag. Mm. Uh, there's, you can either put in for it or you can grab an over the counter leftover tag. You've got opportunity for upland game. You got, you know, fishing opportunity. There's so much you can do with that $150 license. And again, like if you're, you know, how far the drive is that? For me, from here, it's like a 14-hour drive. It used to be like a five-hour drive for me yeah. when I was down in SoCal. But uh, now it's like a 14-hour drive. Yeah. But all, you know, again, you know me. I love, I love my long drives. I love taking my yeah. trips. And I don't know, this year I have a buddy. A buddy's getting married. I have to be down in Long Beach uh, on the 11th of August for something like that. 7th, the 11th. I don't know. He's getting married sometime in August. I have to be there for it. So I'm going to go down, say hi to some friends, and then just, you know, it's easy enough for me to cruise across to Arizona. And then I'll take, I'll take the trip back as a nice little road trip, you know, post-September. Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe see if I can pick up some OTC tags along the way. Not a bad way to live. Yeah. So you're going to Arizona, which I'm insanely jealous of. There's, I mean, 400-inch bulls all over the place, it seems like, in Arizona. I'm going to New Mexico, and uh, on a, I'm doing a guided hunt, trading out some advertising with a guy. Uh, for our archery, which I am excited because I'm, I've hunted New Mexico for elk like three or four times. Whenever I draw, uh, draw a tag, I've killed two bulls on public land there. But I've never gone the third week of September, which is like the peak of the rut. Yeah. And so I'm going this time um, archery during the third week. So pumped about that. I, uh, I did. I, I always struggle to remember which year it was, if it was last year or two years ago. I guess it would have been last year in February, but I, uh, I went down and I did, uh, I did my Audad hunt oh, yeah. down there, my Barbary sheep hunt. Mm-hmm. That thing was, that was a fun trip. That was a really fun trip. I forget. It may have been, I can't remember if it was my podcast with you or not. It may have been my podcast with you that got me turned on to Audad. Oh Yeah. I want to say we were talking about odd. I think I want to say I was talking about it. You're like, Oh yeah, this like Barbary sheep or this odd dad. And I'm like, what the the hell are you talking about? I went and looked it up. I'm like, I want one. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a nice one, but I'll be honest. It was a high fence. uh, Odd dad. Yeah. I've done one. I did one uh, West Texas mule deer slash odd dad hunt where you could shoot one or the other. If you, found one but no i don't know i've shot a lot of things behind high fences over the years and i don't know they just don't mean as much to me it's always fun right i mean yeah being in this business a lot of it's just opportunity people are like hey you want to come to my ranch give me an instagram post or shout out or an interview and you know you can shoot my ten thousand dollar whitetail with a drop tide <laughs> so and then he's right here in the right, right over there yeah if you yep. can see it or not i don't know but uh that deer looks cool. People walk in here and they're like, Oh man, look at that. And I'm like, yeah, let me, let me show you this five by three mule deer over here that I shot on public land in New Mexico with my muzzleloader. That's a trophy. (laughs) So I don't know. It's fun. And you know, you get to go to these nice places and drink beer after the hunt and smoke cigars and yeah, a lot of it's business stuff, but, but that isn't, it doesn't mean anything to me. Like, like, like the elk behind me. Uh, that's, that was the first, elk I ever shot with my bow in, in New Mexico. And I mean, you talk about, you were talking about the ups and downs of that hog hunt in Texas and the emotional roller coaster that it was. I mean, that, this was two years coming. I missed one the year before. I mean, this, I've only cried once when, when I'm hunting and it was when we found that elk after I shot him. And I just, you know, I was just overcome with all the work, uh, the training, the blisters on your feet. I mean, dude, there's nothing better than that. You're, and I hope you have that experience in Arizona this year. I'm hoping, man. I'll, you know, and I'll tell you, it, I know exactly what you mean. Like those high fence hunts, you're not going on those for the, 
you know, the experience of it and like the adventure you're going on it. Cause honestly, like this, and this is, you know, super politically incorrect to say, you know, uh, somebody from BHA would probably shit their pants if they heard me say this, but you know what? <laughs> killing, killing animals is fun. It is like, you know what? Yeah. I, I, I enjoy it. It's not like a crazy bloodlust thing. Um, but you know what? It's kind of fun. It's, a and fun. it's fun to go out. It's fun to do that. It's fun to eat the meat. It's fun to take all of that. But it, it is. It's not going to mean as much as that one you like sweat that adventure that you totally like sweat blood for. No. And, you know, you kill yourself and you, you haul it out like right above me, right above my computer. I'd flip it around. I'd flip my computer around and show you. Uh, but it would rip out all the cables right above my computer is my mule deer this thing is so teeny like it's i didn't even realize how small it was until you know just recently and i had some uh, you know i i have some found mule deer skulls that i cleaned and i look at i'm like this thing is just adorable yeah and he's got you know two teeny little velvet covered uh he's a spike two teeny little velvet covered spikes and you know what there is no animal that will ever, ever in a million years take the place of honor above my like, above my computer. Yeah. As this one, I've got the arrow there. I've got my hunting license from that year. It's like lacquered on there, and it's my first mule deer. It's public land. It was uh-huh. shot it with my bow, and it is teeny as hell, and I love it. Nothing will take that place. That's what it's all about. I mean, it's all about that adventure. Why do we? Why do we do what we do? Why do you like to go on these road trips? It's because we're adventurous at heart. You know, and that's the great thing about hunting. It's just, we live in a time where people want to suppress that and where men shouldn't act like men. You know, I mean, testosterone is like, it's like almost a cuss word now, which is sad because I don't, you know, I believe, I believe in, in God. And, and I think, I think God wants us to, have that sense of adventure. I think that's why he created all of this beauty for us to experience. And whether you believe in God or not, it doesn't really have anything to do with, that's my personal opinion, but all that beauty is there for us to enjoy. Why do you want to sit in a cubicle all day and then go home and play Xbox, you know, and talk to people online that you don't even know. I don't, that doesn't, that doesn't do anything for me. Um, so that's why I, I think that's why I fell in love with it. And like you, I mean, you were kind of a late, or what do they call it? A late onset or adult adult onset, onset hunter. hunter. Yeah. So I, you know, I was like, I'm 38. I think I started when I was like, I got my first lab when I was like 21. I just grew up, I grew up fishing and we probably talked about this before. Um, my dad was a big bass fisherman and we just never had guns in the house. So I just knew fishing and I knew sports. My life revolved around club soccer, high school baseball. Um, and I just didn't have time to, you know, like have a deer lease or, or go if someone invited me. So I picked it up later in life and, and I just, I, it started with ducks and, and now it's, you know, on to Cape Buffalo and, <laughs> and there's nothing too little or too big that I, you know, Henry shot a squirrel, uh, uh, a rabbit that was eating my garden in the backyard with his red rider the other day, another proud dad moment. So, you know, nothing too big or too small. It's, it's all of it's awesome. Oh yeah. And I'll tell, I'll tell you the one thing, man, I just, I don't have a ton of interest in African hunting. I never have. Yeah. I mean, and don't get me wrong. Like if somebody like was like, Hey, you won this, you know, Ibex hunter. So like, not even just African hunting, but like international hunting in general, just never really is interested to in me, you know, if some, but if somebody, yeah, was like, Hey, you've won this hunt or whatever. Uh, all you have to do is pay for the airfare. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'd do that. Yeah. Um, but the one thing is Cape Buffalo, like the black death solely because it's, because of what it is like it is the deadly considered the deadliest animal on earth like how that is like the epitome of like testosterone and manhood like in my mind you know it's that's up there with you know for me like my dream hunt my absolute dream hunt my bucket list hunt that i have to do before i die is an alaskan archery brown bear hunt like yeah big gnarly alaskan brown bear with my bow 
if I can keep from crapping my pants long enough to draw it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love it. It's up there. For me. That's in. That's probably that's probably in my top five. The Alaskan brown bear. And, but I'm not going to say I wouldn't shoot it with a rifle. You know me. I'm a, when it's bow season. I'm going to bow hunt. And then once that's over, I'm going to rifle it. But in in Collin County, where I had that urban lease, it's bow only. So last year I did the most bow hunting I ever had. But you know, a lot of that Sam stems from this. It stems from this place, and that's like you talk about Africa. You have no desire to go there. I'll be honest. I didn't either until it fell in my lap, and the guy was like, "Hey, come hunt with me for free, then and then do a bunch, and then tell people about my operation, and bring a few people back with you the next year." Now we're on year four of that, with year five already booked, and all I'm doing is paying for the airfare and essentially getting the taxidermy back, and then the taxidermy's done for a trade out too. The guy that's been done all my taxidermy for ten years, so it's kind of like getting the lottery from that standpoint. Yeah, it's not you know, it's not making me money right there but it helps with other sponsors that like okay africa's cool you know if you're going to take our gun over there or use our ammo over there uh i mean it definitely attracts other sponsors i would say um i think i got derailed there what talking about um oh where where this all stems from like our desire to i don't know but yeah so africa wasn't really high on my bucket list until i went and now it's like now it's in my blood and i just now it's Cape, Cape Buffalo, which I think might might get pushed to February. But your number one is Alaskan brown bear. My number one would be leopard. That's, uh, you know, I've gotten a wolf. I've gotten a mountain lion. I've gotten a lynx, some cool predators, black bears. So I think the two that are next for me, like if money wasn't an object, right? I mean, we're both talking about $20,000 hunts here. Yeah. Uh, which my pH isn't just saying, hey, let's trade out a leopard hunt. <laughs> <laughs> You can't even do that in South Africa. He would have to take me to like Zambia or Namibia. Leopards are protected in South Africa. So, you know, that those are high dollar, high dollar hunts. But those would be, I'd say leopard would be one. All the sheep, North American sheep would be like two, A, B, and C, and D. And then bear, Alaskan brown bear would be three. I'd um, s- on cables. On, the, the cables bucket list i'd still like to hunt sheep like i'm not one of those guys where like and you know again this may change like my interests have changed like again if you told me i'd i'd be super stoked on turkey hunting i would have laughed in your face oh, dude it's, it's so love turkey fun. hunting but but like sheep sheep are one of those things where <laughs> like <laughs> let's go <laughs> and then i killed i killed both of my turkeys with the cartridges you gave me in oh, the yeah. gift package in the dang gift package those cartridges i'll give them i'll give them a shout out on the podcast there you go but uh sheep for me i had zero interest in goat sheep i just it i was like yeah whatever couldn't care less until i went on that audad hunt yeah and like shooting that thing i shot that thing uh, six hundred, uh, almost. It was like six between six twenty five, six fifty yards across a canyon, mm-hmm. and then like hiking down uh, through the the little like uh river that was between us, and like through the little valley, and then uh, up across the other the cliff face, and getting up on that steep rock and and gutting it there. I I was like, you get it, like you get into those experiences, and then like the switch flips, and you kind of get it. Mm-hmm. and and so again this may change but for me it's like i just want to hunt a sheep like a ram uh, like i don't i don't feel the need to like you know do do the sheep slam or anything like that or you know do the north american grand slam like again it would be cool if i had the opportunity to do it don't get me wrong but I mean, if i had a hundred thousand dollars laying around you know <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah uh, <laughs> I'm still I'm still hoping before I leave California that I'll get drawn for a Thule elk, but uh, <laughs> it's one of the harder. Like if you're pursuing the uh, Super Slam, all what is it? Is it twenty seven? What? How many North Americans? Nine. Twenty nine animals. Twenty nine. Okay, that Thule elk tag is a hard one to get. You pretty much, if you're out of state, you're pretty much paying for like a private land tag or something. You're you're paying for the hunt to do it. I don't have any desire to do the twenty nine. You know. I, it's number one. It's like my kids have to go to college someday. 
<laughs> right? So <laughs> you feel guilty if I start dropping 10 grand on a hunt. Um, but, Honey, guess what? You're going to a trade school, but yeah. I killed 29 animals. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with a trade school. I actually firmly support that. Just making a joke here, people. Don't send me emails. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, but you know, the longer I do this, the more, and it's not like an intentional thing, but just the more of those animals get crossed off the list. Well, guys, shot a moose this year, which was awesome. Oh, dude, that's awesome. Yeah. That's one hunt that I really would like to do. But like, I'm like, if I get a chance, I get a chance. I'd love to. I'm not going to like really pursue it. I think that'd be one if I found like a good deal yeah. on like a guy, uh, like on a guided moose hunt that I could buy and, you know, get something cool, you know, that's not going to cost me a hundred thousand dollars, then mm-hmm. yeah, I'd totally, I'd totally do that. But I don't, you know, I, it's not one I think I'm going to build points for or anything. No. And this one was just a byproduct of another relationship formed at the Dallas Safari Club convention outfitter. He was like, Hey, um, you know, I talked to him one year and then we ran into each other again the next year at his exhibit and started talking a little bit more. And he's like, why don't you come moose hunting and then tell people how, you know, tell people about your experience. And, uh, I was like, Oh shoot, I want moose definitely on the bucket list. And, uh, so shot a nice, these aren't the monsters you're going to find in the Yukon in Alaska. Yeah. These are, I think they're, there's the Shearest moose, there's the Canada moose. And then there's what the Yukon. Yukon. I yeah. I, I didn't know the answer to that, but you know, this is just the Canada moose and they're not even native to Newfoundland. They introduced them there in like the early 1900s. And now they've got like, 50 or 60,000 of them. And it's, you know, it's an Island and, uh, dude, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. And the hunt was, uh, if you were paying for it, I think it's like 8,000 bucks. That's I had to buy a new freezer. They freight your meat home and I had to buy a new freezer just for the, it's the moose freezer. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome, dude. It's, dude, moose meat. Oh my God. That's, uh, it, you know, elk was always my favorite. I like pronghorn a lot, but, uh, the moose has just been out of this world. Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. I just, I, that's, I just want to get to the point where I'm consistent enough with my hunting where I'm, you know, I'm wise enough with my trips and how I'm doing things to where the freezer's full, you know, to where I'm like, okay, the freezer's packed. I don't ever have to worry about meat. That's all I want to get to, you know, and I just need to be smarter about my hunting trips and, and plan them out for the year. Like I need to come out to, like Texas or Missouri or some somewhere just buy a bunch of dough tags and fill the freezer and drive, you know, do more stuff like that. But I get, you know, I get so worked up and especially this year, this year, this year, I, I'm understandably worked up. I drew freaking Arizona, our early archery elk. (laughs) Like why are you not worked up? You know, I'm getting freaking worked up about this. Um, so I'm focusing on that. I didn't even put in for anything here in California. I'm like, that is my sole focus. And, and think about this from like my perspective in, you know, it sounds weird, but like from the, like the progression of my story, my hunting story, you know, went on that first elk hunt, freaking tore my knees on the first and second days, mm-hmm. went on the second elk hunt, finally saw, you know, I'd seen elk before that but I finally saw my first elk on a hunting trip, got to put a stock on him, but never even got close enough to draw this last year. I just got into the elk a ton. I spooked a bunch of them. I got to make mistakes. I got to draw a couple of times. I loosed an arrow on an elk that I completely misranged and dropped it in the dirt, probably about five to 10 yards in front of them. And they both looked at the arrow and then went back to fighting. 
Um, <laughs> so you've seen this progression. And then this year, you know, and again, like I'm not going out hunting solo. Like I'm not pretending like, like I'm going on this big solo archery hunt in Arizona. Like I, it, I'm going guided because of the opportunity. Like I'm not going to really? pass up this opportunity at a freaking giant, you know? Um, there's times when you, when you do the DIY and there's times when you, you know, you say, yeah. Hey, or like, you can't just go to Africa and hunt without a pH. You have to be with a licensed pH. Um, for non-residents, I know it's, I think it's possible to do DIY stuff in Alaska. I know it is, but generally for like a sheep or something like that, you know, you, you have to go with an outfitter. I mean, that, that, that's, that exists for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, people, people, a lot of people frown on using an outfitter, which doesn't make any sense to me. Like they, they know the, the land, they know the animals. You're there for a hunt and you're there to pay them to guide you in that process. You know, it's uh Oh yeah. But yeah. So the opportunity for me, my first elk after all of this for, you know, my fourth year hunting, my first elk. And, and again, like I'm going to be happy with whatever I take regardless, yeah. but like the fact that it could be like a BNC freaking monster, you know, like how, cool is that opportunity like my very first elk is just some big ass arizona strip bull which i would punch you in the face if you got one if you hadn't already put in your time on those other previous hunts i mean you blew your <laughs> knees out for so i, I you know i, hope I you spent get six weeks six weeks and i mean and guaranteed i wasn't hunting every day of those six weeks i was in and out of town and and, and working and mm-hmm. stuff but like six weeks i committed to elk hunting solo in montana like yeah. Except for maybe two days when I went out or two or three days when I went out with a couple of guys, but like I've worked, I've worked for it, you know, and I'm not going to be like, Oh, I deserve this, but I'm not going to say, I'm not going to pretend like, no, I worked my ass off for this. And so I'm stoked. No, You've paid your dues, my friend. And, but even that being said, you can still come home empty handed again. I hope you don't. I think yeah. I've killed three, you know, two with a bow, one with a rifle. And I think I've done seven, seven or eight hunts. And so, you know, it's you roll the dice. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't, but I think you're due. <laughs> I think you're due. <laughs> well, you know, and it's, yeah, like you said, I mean, it's, there's always a possibility, you know, you start removing a lot of variables and, and increasing your likelihood with all this stuff, you know, a good unit going guided, you know, going with a good guide, all of this stuff but they're animals. They're wild animals. They're going to do what wild animals do. There's no guarantees they're going to be where they're going to be. There's no guarantees that I'm not going to completely, you know, just screw it. I'm not going to completely shit the bed and, you know, shoot over it three times in a row. Like, I don't know what I, I feel like I, and I was honestly surprised how calm I was when I finally like, got up next to bowls mm-hmm. like my heart was racing but i still remember every moment i didn't get that bowl fever like i thought i would but that being said you know i'm gonna work my butt off to make sure that i'm shooting like i should be that i'm as practiced and in the shape i should be and you know try and remove as many of those variables as we can and and you know we'll see man but that's gonna be awesome that's gonna yeah. be so much fun you so you missed on your elk hunt this past year i missed twice and one, one, you talked about your arrow hitting in front. I, uh, I was in Montana and was in more elk than I've ever been on, on public land. And, uh, man, it was, it was beautiful. Bulls just everywhere. And I missed one at, he ended up being 40 yards and I ranged him for 30 because it was a downhill shot. I didn't uh, range him. I mean, he was standing there, he was standing there looking at me. He came out in this opening as I came into the same opening and it was like, well, he's looking right at me. So it's either draw or, and I was like, he's gotta be, you know, I just put the 30 yard pin on him and I shot right underneath him. Uh, and my buddy was like, Oh, you idiot. And I was like, just kick me while I'm down. Why don't you? Uh, and then I shot at another one that was like broadside at 20 yards. Oh, that was, that was a nice bowl. This one was a little smaller and you could see the, arrow bounce off of a limb and sail over his back. Oh, the bull ran. I'm not shitting you. The bull ran 20 yards, stopped for a second, looked back before I could even knock another arrow. 
this guy, Ty Stubblefield, he's like the chapter coordinator of uh, BHA. And he's a good dude. Yeah. He, you know, guilty oh, by Ty. association. He's a redneck. Don't, I mean, but he's also an assassin. And I, you know, realized very quickly the difference between someone with seven years of elk hunting experience versus someone with 20. Because before I even knocked another arrow, that elk was dead. I mean, he had smoked him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So he was like, hey, listen up. Hey, Texan, this is how you, this is how us Montana boys do it. Or <laughs> I guess he's originally from Oregon, but, you know, it was, it was clear who had, who was uh, the boss of the Elkwoods that day. I was happy that we got, I mean, there was three of us and that was the only one we got. So oh, yeah. I was glad that we had something to pack out anyway. Mine was like, I had, uh, I'd kind of gotten these elk patterned finally. I'd started figuring it out and I'd, I'd, I should say I'd gotten them kind of patterned a few days prior, but then my trips out, something always happened and put like a, a, a twist or a kink in the trip. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't able to get in front of them. Like, like one of the times I was, I was sneaking out and I'd been there for weeks and had not seen elk come out in this spot a single time. And I'm like, all right, I'm getting out really early. I'm going to get out there. And so you know, I'm just kind of cruising through to get up over this ridge and I'm not, I'm not being particularly quiet. I'm not like stomping through playing music on my phone or anything, but all of a sudden I hear this noise and see this movement and I drop and there's an elk like 250 yards in front of me, like staring right at me and he kind of looked at me and then I just froze. I'm like laying on the ground and keep in mind, this is like freezing cold. Mm. Like there's still, there's like, you know, a foot of snow on the ground eh, maybe not quite that much a little bit less than a foot of snow snow still on the ground my beard is completely has icicles hanging from it <laughs> and and so i'm like on my hands and knees in this snow i dump my pack and uh, i grab you know he went back to feeding i dump my pack and i grab uh, grab my bow and i'm like belly crawling through the snow to get at this thing and i get to probably about you know oh 120 yards from him and he starts just walking straight at me like he's gonna run me over i'm like i'm like this is gonna happen and it's gonna happen not even 100 yards from my truck like um like my truck was just literally like right over this little hill and uh and so he's walking straight at me and i'm like you know my heart's gone i'm like this is gonna happen this is gonna happen and then just he just kind of like yeah i'm gonna turn and he starts feeding and so like a hundred yards from me. He's just feeding along like past. There's nowhere. There's no cover, nothing. It's just like wide open field that I'm laying on the ground in the snow. And I've got video of him walking and, and he walks, 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 finally gets like, I couldn't even turn every time I even turned, he would stop and he'd look right at me. And so he finally gets downwind to me. He's walking across and the wind was kind of coming uh, sideways at me and he catches my wind and just smokes it out of there. But, uh, mm-hmm. But so stuff like that kept happening to keep me from getting in front of these elk. So I finally get to these elk the first time. I finally get in front of them. I'm like, oh, I'm going to smoke one. I can get right where they're going to walk. They always walk the same direction. And I start to get out there, and there's some some little divot in the ground that I just couldn't see. And, and all of a sudden, a, a bull and a cow both stand up, and they're facing right at me. So I freeze. I'm, like, in front of this, like, teeny-ass little tree. And... uh and I can't, uh, I can't move again. There's like nothing I can do. I didn't spook them, but they just happen to stand up and they're looking right at me. They're doing their thing. They're feeding. And there's a fence between me and them. It's uh, it was uh, state land. So it was leased. So some of the ranchers had fences across it and I just, I can't do anything. So I'm staring at them and they kind of start walking this way. And I'm thinking like, okay, I might have a chance again. And, and finally they just kind of turn and they're moving, they're moving, they're moving. And this is a whole herd. This is probably like a you know seventy five some elk, mm. just all all walking like one hundred and twenty yards in front of me on the other side of this fence. And I could have probably gotten up to if I could have gotten up to the fence, I could have gotten some of them within range. Yeah. Um, but anytime I'd move, some some cow something would spot me. So I finally finally get up, and it's kind of getting towards the tail end of the herd, and I'm like, screw it if I blow, if I blow out the tail end of the herd, it's not going to be as big of a deal. You know, they're already 90% of the herd's already gone. And there's two bulls and they were locked up. It was really cool. They're like screaming at each other. They're locked up and they're fighting 
And I'm like, they may be just distracted enough to where I can get in. So I get up, I get a little bit closer to the fence. Uh, you know, I get up on my knees to, or I, or I draw first cause I'm in front of the tree. And so they kind of, they knew something was going on. I kind of get up to the fence. They're still fighting, but they they can, you can tell they're kind of watching me out of the corner of their eye and I'd ranged it, but I think I'd ranged a little tuft of grass cause I was still on my knees. I'd ranged a little tuft of grass between me and them. Oh, and so I'd ranged it. It was like, you know, I'd ranged at like 67 yards or something, which was like right at the, the full limit of what I'm comfortable doing. And, uh, so I got there and I'm like, okay, got in a little bit closer to 60 yards. ought to do it, let it go. And it just, again, drives into the dirt, like 10 yards and five to 10 yards in front of them. And I went, when I went to finally fetch my arrow, I went ranged back to where the tree that I had ranged from. And it was like 80 yards, Oh, wow. or, you know, it was something, yeah. you know, so I'm like, okay, yeah, I definitely uh, caught something, but I finally got to draw back on an elk, man. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, there's nothing better, but I think that that's probably why you like turkey hunting so much, is because it's you know it's it's the same game. It's you're there during the breeding season. You're trying to make them think that you're something they either want to fight or you know do the other thing too. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I turkey hunted long before I elk hunted. Then when I went elk hunting, I was like, yeah, this is like hunting a 600 pound turkey. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same feeling when you do the first gobble off the roost in the morning, it makes the hair on your arm stand up. It's the same thing when you hear that first bugle or really any bugle for me anyway. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. So. I'll never get sick yeah. of that sound, man, but <laughs> all right. We should, we should wind this down. Nobody's going to listen to us ramble for, for two hours. So, <laughs> all right, man, if people want to hunt down Lone Star Outdoor Show on the internet, where are they looking? Uh, they just go to LoneStarOutdoorShow.com or the Instagram's a good place to find me. Just Lone Star Outdoor Show. All the, every podcast, um, like 11 years worth of episodes are on iTunes or Apple, whatever it is, Spotify and the website as well. So they can find it there. And I certainly appreciate you having me on, man. Always enjoy the conversation and I look forward to our, uh, our next Lone Star beer bender. Thanks for it. Right after, right after that duck hunt, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> awesome, man. All right, y'all, that'll do it for this episode of The Wild Initiative. Make sure you check out the show notes page at thewildinitiative.com. Get links to everything we talked about in today's episode. That'll do it for this week. Looking forward to next time. But until then, I hope this podcast inspired you to get involved, get outdoors, and plan your initiative for the wild. Thank you for listening to The Wild Initiative. Please take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher and head on over to thewildinitiative.com to get show notes, check out the blog, gear discounts, other podcasts from The Wild Initiative family, and more. 